This is the GPL Podcast, sponsored by Vintage Minnesota Hockey, your exclusive source for throwback Minnesota jerseys. Visit VintageMNHockey.com. Now, here's Hammy, Vigo, and your host, Jupiter. Good evening and welcome to the GPL Podcast, episode number 99. Almost to that big 100, guys. Um, well, Hammy, another inconsistent weekend for the Gophers. Uh, obviously, started Friday night with a, I would call, a pathetic performance in Mankato. And then uh, a little better defensive effort uh, Saturday, but... Uh, I don't know. I, that Friday one was just awful. Yeah, it was. I mean, I didn't catch every minute of the game, but the parts that I did <laughs> catch, I was much. like, <laughs> yeah, I was kind of like, uh, you know, the goals that I saw, I'm like, you, you know, it just, it looked just discombobulated. And I, you know, I, I'm not surprised because I, I mean, I said coming into the weekend, it wouldn't surprise me if it was a split or whatever. Although I would have liked to have seen, obviously, a better performance. I don't mind a loss if the team is playing well and the other team just, you know, executes a little better or whatever. That's one thing. But when you kind of just show up and pretty much lay an egg for the most part, those are the ones that really bug the hell out of me. Now, Vig, I spoke to you on Saturday, and uh, you had mentioned that, obviously, that Shearhorn was eh, okay, but you didn't like the the penalty kill at all. No, I I think... You know, the penalty kill really came to focus to me looking back at the games against their in-state rivals. Yep. You know, it's it's expected that five-on-five, five, it's going to be a battle. It's going to be tough to score goals. The gopher power play has always been good. But in these in-state rivalry games, their penalty kill has just been horrible. And it's a combination of bad goaltending and guys just not working as a unit on the kill to prevent scoring chances. And again, on Friday night, you saw a couple opportunities where Mankato was able to get the puck from the half wall to the middle of the ice, have track traffic in front, making it difficult on Shearhorn, and shots that aren't really a great scoring opportunity turning into goals. And it's just frustrating to see that in a big rivalry game for a team that knows this is an issue and has spent so much time in practice working on this to come into a Friday in a big game and just not execute. Well... I remember another thing you mentioned too is that uh, obviously we, we've kind of documented recently that Shearhorn's struggling the first game of a series, but uh, you had mentioned to me that you know either once or twice you know he was looking the wrong way around a player in front of him and just didn't really cover all that well Friday night. Well, last year in the first part of the season he struggled as well, and he kind of pinned it on not getting set for shots. And a big problem with him this year has been over-anticipating plays and then just getting caught not being in position looking around screens. You know, if you're going to be a college goaltender and you want to be elite, you have to fight through screens. You have to be able to see around screens, and you have to get on your angle on top of the crease. And that's something he didn't do on Friday, but we've seen him do that in the past, and I think it's just a focus issue for him. You know, one of the things is... He doesn't have a lot of competition in that, so I think you know maybe he does get a little 
you know, lackadaisical with his focus. And, you know, it's cost him a couple times on Friday night. I mean, does some of that also come back to the defense as well, not clearing out the guys out in front of the net? Well, on a, on a penalty kill, you don't necessarily yeah. want one of your defenders getting tied up in front of the net. You don't want your defenders finishing checks on the wall because it takes them away from cutting off, you know, passes across the seam or, or guys on the back door. You know, if there's a guy in traffic and one of the guys comes on the back side, if you're tied up, you're not going to be able to help on that. So, you know, the goalie's going to have to fight through screen some of the times on the penalty kill. Um, Hammy, you know, one thing, it, it wasn't just Shearhorn Friday night or the defense. Um, I counted maybe a handful of quality scoring chances for the entire night. So they just didn't show up in any area. Yeah, I mean, it was just one of those games where it just seemed like they left – you know some of the their some of the their game is back at home it just they didn't seem to show up it didn't seem to be clicking at all in any aspect i mean there's just it was one of those nights where you're just like god why did i just waste all that time watching it because <laughs> you know what i mean i mean just, there's been those kinds of games on occasion over the years and it's just like why did i just waste all that time doing that when it was so bad and uh uh, it was one of those games where it's, it's pretty forgettable. I think it, it's nice when it is a Friday because you don't you have that quick turnaround the next night to be able to uh, kind of put it behind you as opposed to waiting an, almost an entire week to uh, get another game going. So in that sense, uh, I guess it was good to have the second game the night the next night. Well, both Chris Eckes and I drove down and uh, were at the game in person. To, Mankato always uh, does a great job. They always make sure they have us in the building and. Uh, we've always appreciated that. Um, <laughs> it did get to the point after the game, though, that you know Chris and I were the only representatives of anything to do with Minnesota, and it, we really didn't want to go talk to Lucia after that game. It would it would have been just us two and Lucia. And I know Vigo that you like the old uh, Periscope interview, but it would have been a little weird with the video with Periscope. You know, Don's gotten a little softer in his old age. You know, he's 58 now, and uh, it's not quite as bad as it used to be as when I made my first trip to Minnesota State and tried to get him after a game for a quote. So, you oh, know, he's, he was he's angry a little night. more – he's got a little more perspective these days. Yeah, well, we avoided it. <laughs> we decided to go have a beer with a bunch of other people instead, and that was probably the better choice. Yeah. And, you know, ended up – and did end up seeing – a the Don in the parking ramp as I was, I was waiting to go uh, meet with Ekes to go have that beer. Don comes walking up the big stairs, took one look at me, put his head back down, and just kept on walking. He wanted nothing to do with me, I'll tell you that. <laughs> well, I'm sure, like a lot of guys, he wanted to move on to Saturday as soon as possible. <laughs> yes, he did. Well, let's talk about Saturday there, Viggs. Um Obviously, a better defensive performance, a better performance by uh, – by Shearhorn, I, I don't know if, if he was challenged as much, but he did not let any goals in, and that's pretty good. But you know, the, the the one goal by Clues, what are your thoughts on the Saturday game? Well, I thought Shearhorn was steadier in the first period. Okay. You know, he, yep. he made the saves he had to make. Uh, during the second period, the Minnesota defense was awfully tight. They only gave up a couple shots that whole period. And then the third period, Shearhorn started getting challenged again, and those first couple pucks he looked really shaky on. But when he needed to make saves and freeze the puck the last five minutes, he was there and he came through for the team. So it's good to see him respond. Um, five on five again, we didn't see a lot of second chances. 
Um, off the rush, Minnesota got plenty of chances, but the Mankato goalie really came through for them. And Minnesota got their only goal on one of those opportunities where they get second, third, fourth chances at the net. And I think that's something you're going to have to see out of this team for them to get goals five on five. This happened to come on the power play. But that's kind of the mentality I think they're going to have to get because they're they're struggling to get in-zone offense, a lot of one-on-done opportunities. So that's what they're going to have to look for. Well, one thing we did hear from Shearhorn after the game was, you know, he's not a big fan of not getting any action. And he really didn't have a lot of shots in those first two periods. And then maybe that's why he was a little bit shaky at the beginning of the third. But then he started getting more shots, you know, more into the game himself. And that's where he kind of picked up his game. Well, I think anytime a Minnesota goalie takes the net, you know, you're going to have stretches where Minnesota's going to dominate play and you're not going to see the puck. It's that kind of focus. And that's really the concern with gopher goalies. We've had so many in the past where yep. they don't see a lot of action when they're called on to make saves they have to come through with them or the team isn't going to be successful. And so that's something he's going to have to overcome. You know, if it takes Nick Lair getting a few games to kind of get his attention, that might be something Don Lucia has to do. And it's it's something Lucia talked about last weekend is he, after seeing that the moment wasn't too big for Nick Lair, you know, he really considered giving him a chance in that Saturday, but knows Shearhorn does come back from that. So I think one of these Friday nights we're going to see Nick Lair between the net could be this Friday night for all we know. I mean, he, he wasn't terrible. No, it, you, know, you know, it could be a good spot. You know, Northeastern's not a great team this year. You know, they're on the fringe of the NCAAs, but could be a good opportunity. Yeah, I've always felt like the whole not seeing shots thing. I mean, it's like I, I can see you wanting to face some shots early in the game just to kind of get you in, into it mentally, but... Um, I mean, let's be honest. I really don't. I think if you're a goalie that's really dialed in and performing, it's like you're not. You don't care if it's only 15, you know, shots a game or 20 shots a game or whatever. You know, I have. I'd rather have it be that way than have them face 30 to 35 shots a game and feel like, oh, I'm getting lots of action, so I feel comfortable. It's like I think I'd rather have the team playing tougher defensively and cutting down the shots to you know. 20 or so a game than to have it be, you know, oh, well, let me find my comfort zone by facing a million shots. So whatever. <laughs> well, I, well, that's me. funny because that's what Shearhorn said after Saturday. He said it's yep. a lot easier when you see a consistent attack and 30, 35 shots a game. And it's, it's harder when you don't see the puck at all for a period. And then all of a sudden the last five minutes, you get a big flurry. So but I, to me, I that, do see that, both sides of that coin. Well, I do, but I also, I also think that comes down to the goalies, mental toughness because if you have to be sidetracked in a sense or feel like you're in the game by facing so many shots it's like that tells me that you're not capable of staying in the game mentally if you're not getting all that action and to me that's a sign of not being mentally tough so i I don't know goalies are always a weird you know they're a weird breed in general but to me it's kind of like uh there should be a certain amount of mental toughness that if you're not facing that kind of consistent action, you're able to raise, rise to the occasion when you are called on. Well, we did have a question. And I think, oh, go ahead. I mean, I do think the mental aspect is the biggest part of playing goal. You know, Blair Walsh, tremendous talent for the Vikings, but he just couldn't get over that mental hiccup of kicking extra points. Chuck Knobloch, tremendous second baseman, you know, for the Twins but just couldn't get over that mental hurdle of throwing it to first. 
you know, it's a huge part of the game that's that's hard to anticipate and scout and, and know what you have until you put him in that situation. But it's something this guy's got to overcome this season, and he's definitely aware of it. You, know, you talk to him after the games, and you know he's one of the more honest goalies out there. He doesn't shrink from it. He knows what he has to work on. Oh, he's he's definitely honest. I do like that about him. He'll say, you know, last night I sucked, and uh, <laughs> I kind of like that honesty from him because a lot of times in the well, he, in the past we never heard that. He doesn't just say he sucked. He says, I know why I sucked. You know, he says, I didn't control my rebounds. I didn't look around screens. I didn't fight yeah. through it. I was overreading the play. Like he acknowledges what his mistakes are, and he works hard to overcome them. So we'll see how he responds to this challenge over the year. Well, Todd Anderson had a question for us uh, early in the day, kind of talking about Shearhorn. He says, what's causing Shearhorn to be so inconsistent to start the season? Uh, sophomore slump? I mean, he, he has. I don't, I don't know if there's an easy answer to that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, <laughs> you know what I mean? I think that the, some of it's, I think, the mental aspect of it. Some of it, I think, is, you know, I, I don't know how the coaches are talking about playing time. I don't know if he feels too comfortable. You know, to I, I'm I heard a lot of you know positive things about some of the about the other goalies coming into their college career. And granted, they haven't had the opportunity to really prove anything to this point. But um, I, I I've always felt, and I said this on GPL last week, that the coaches sometimes don't change their approach soon enough like it's almost like they get stuck in a certain mentality and they have a hard time breaking out of it at least the, the head coach since he's the one that ultimately calls the shots I mean we've seen it with Cami, for instance I mean it seems like it's either he's on Clues' line or it's basically nothing you know what I mean it's like yes there's been a few situations where that wasn't the case but I, I feel like it's mostly been that way and um, sometimes I feel like they get stuck on that with the goalies over the years too. Like it's either all one guy, um, or pretty much, you know, it's just even one guy or that's it. So it's, I'd like to see a little bit more of a, of a opportunity for some of these other guys, if nothing better than it, shake things up and maybe give the guys something to really focus on as a team. Well, who knows? I mean, sophomore slump, competition, you know, uh, like you're saying, Viggs, we could see him this weekend, uh, or at least we could see Lear this weekend for uh, the Friday night uh, game. I, I wouldn't mind seeing that. And um, it, it's it's not just something for the goalie, but it's something for the rest of the players. I mean, Lucia can only punish so many guys, you know, up front in front of uh, Shearhorn because you know, he needs bodies out there. I mean, I got the feeling from the Saturday night lineup when he just completely changed everything. I even put uh, Maroney in there, who had never seen any ice, that Lucia is getting a little frustrated with some some of the players out there. But the thing is, he can't punish them all at once. Well, I think one of the things with Shearhorn is one of the last games Lair played was that game against Michigan, where he came in, and I think he gave up three goals, boom, boom, boom. And that was the last time he played in a real game. So I think that was a big concern was, what do we have behind Shearhorn? We have no idea how they're going to react in college. Um, now, with the rest of the lineup, I thought Maroney looked um, pretty solid in his first debut as a gopher. Um, he brings a lot of speed, you know, straight-line player, uh, drew a penalty, thought he was hard on the forecheck. And that's something that if you're a new player in the lineup, you're going to have to do. Because Lucia has said it, I think, probably three times in the last two weeks. If you're scoring and you're not scoring, 
you need to find a way to have another impact in the game. Is it blocking shots? Is it making hits? Is it getting hard on the forecheck? And if you're not doing those things and you're not scoring, you're going to be out of the lineup. And he said it's hard to take guys out of the lineup who are on the first power play or key penalty killers. And you look at the lineup and who that applies to, and Camerata is probably number one on that list. And Lucia said today that, you know, those guys might not be in the lineup for quite a while. You know, it's not going to be like they're going to get another chance the next weekend. So we might not see Camerata play until January when there's a couple guys missing for the World Juniors. I think you like the sound of that, Hammy, don't you? Well, I mean, I, look, I've never – I don't want to beat a dead horse, and I certainly don't want to rag on one guy. But, you know, he's definitely a guy that he came in with very high expectations, high scholarship, and um, we all know that he was being brought in to be a scorer. He wasn't being brought in for any other kind of a role in his team. Sometimes guys don't – score on this level and they're forced to almost become something else um you know like a taylor Matson or something like that where you're becoming more of a a third or fourth line guy because you have other guys on the team that can take on that scoring role but cammy's just not that kind of a player i mean he's not a grinding type of a guy he's not a physical player he's not a, a great defensive player by any stretch um he is kind of a one-dimensional kind of guy and if he's not providing that one dimension, it's like, yeah, why would you play him? I mean, and frankly, to me, it's that it should have happened before this year. I mean, it should have happened much sooner mid-season. than this. <laughs> Mid-season last year, at least. Well, I'm just, I'm just saying, you know, to me, it should have happened much sooner because maybe, if anything, it maybe would have got his attention a little yeah. more. Um, and in the off season, it's kind of like, well, I got to wake up and work my ass off and and or at least work harder than what he has been and maybe it would be a different story this year but when when he's basically been given carte blanche to play on a top line with the best players and he's not necessarily pulling his weight in that sense you're not exactly telling him hey get your ass in gear because he thinks he's going to have it anyways and so to me it should have been a a message or something that done that was done much sooner than this I think the other factor in that is that they actually have a little bit more depth this year. You know, they have guys who can step in the lineup and, and probably do some of the things that they're looking for. I mean, having Romanco and Ramsey make the, the transitions they did from their freshman to sophomore year is a huge help. Um, having guys like Norman and uh, Maroon, you've you know, been able to show themselves capable in the lineup. I think that's important too. Last year, I mean, you had a fourth line that, that couldn't handle themselves on the ice. And this year, I think Minnesota has four lines that can handle themselves out there. Well, I mean, I think, you know, in my, this is my opinion. Um, I, I also believe that it's hard for a coach to admit that he put down a big bet on somebody when they were, you know, a prospect and that has failed. It's hard to admit that, hey, I gave this guy 90% or whatever scholarship to come in and be a big scorer and he's essentially flopped at doing that and it's hard to let go of that sometimes when you've kind of already you know you have those sunk costs and what you've done and i think that there's a part of it i think lucia had a hard time letting go of some of that that's my opinion um and i know that that's a shared opinion from 
some people around the team. So hopefully this is his way of saying, okay, I have to break away from that kind of thinking and and do what's best for the team. And even if that makes me look bad in this particular instance, so be it. Well, one thing uh, that uh, the Gophers didn't have last weekend, and it was kind of a surprise for, for some, was that uh, Rem Pitlick uh, did not play the entire weekend, Viggs. Uh, it sounds like he's going to be back this week. It always concerns me that people are making such a big deal out of a freshman, but he, he can make a difference out there. I'd like to see him actually start scoring, but uh, it looks like he'll be back this weekend compared to last. Yeah, he's definitely a dynamic player on this team. He's somebody who can make things happen off the rush. You know, He's got good speed. He's got good size, good release. You know, he's definitely a player who's going to fit in the lineup somewhere. Now, where that is, um, it's hard to tell. You know, they elevated uh, Ramsey up on the gold line on Saturday during the big lineup shakeup, but um, he could really end up just about anywhere. And one of the things with this year's team is they don't have a lot of righty shots. So, you know, that's going to be a concern as they try to fit a lineup together. You know, the one thing I'd like to see out of him more is I'd like to see him shoot the puck more because he's really a good, he really has a good shot and, um, there are just too many guys on the team that have way more shots than he does, and to me that 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 should change because we need him to be a scorer. I mean, he's you know we saw what he did in the USHL last year. I just I would like to see him, you know, shoot the puck a little bit more and be more aggressive in that sense um, than what we've seen thus far. Well, hopefully that's the story he's getting from the coaches because uh, we know he could pass, we know he could set up, but. Uh... As we some of us saw earlier in the season, you know, with that you know that snipe up in Alaska, and and obviously from uh, how good he was last year, the kid can score, but you can only score if you're shooting shooting the puck. All right. So. Well, before we move on, we got some questions here from uh, the gang. Uh, let's take a listen to our sponsor from Vintage Minnesota Hockey. VintageMNHockey.com is a proud sponsor of the GPL podcast. Well, what is Vintage MN Hockey? Well, it's kind of the place to get all of your history of Minnesota hockey, from the pros to the minors to the collegiate teams to even the high school teams. All information about any of those teams can be found on VintageMNHockey.com. They also have great interviews with some historical Minnesota hockey figures like John Mayasich and Lou Nanny, Glenn Sonmore, some of the greats of Minnesota hockey. So make sure you check out those interviews. It's a really great thing. But as like I always say, I think my favorite part is the store. The store, you can buy a custom historical jersey from the Gophers or the Bulldogs or some of your favorite high school teams. And if you do make a purchase, just use the code GPLPODCAST, all one word, and you'll get 10% off your order. So make sure you visit VintageMNHockey.com and follow them on Twitter at VintageMNHockey. All right, boys, uh, we've got some questions via Twitter. Uh, if you're listening live or listening at any time, um, you can always uh, hit us up with a question. Just use the hashtag GPL podcast, and uh, we will try to get to it. Uh, right off the bat, uh, Pat Micheletti, yes, that Pat Micheletti, wants to know, who is the favorite to win the Big Ten? Obviously, we kind of started the season saying, well, Minnesota, of course, but uh, Viggs, uh Ohio State's looking pretty darn good. Yeah, that's who Don Lucia gave his number one vote to in the Big Ten coaches poll. Um, they're a veteran group. They've got great skaters, um, a lot of veteran players. Um, they are definitely the rival to Minnesota for the Big Ten. 
I still think Minnesota is the favorite for this season. I think they just have more um, depth at defense than Ohio State does, and I think that'll come through during the Big Ten season. What are your thoughts on Ohio State or maybe someone else sneaking up in there for the Big Ten, uh, Hammy? Well, I mean, I guess I tend to lean towards the Gophers mainly because I know that they have the experience. They've had mm-hmm. they've had the opportunity. I mean, they've had success. Players in this team have had success winning league titles. Um, I think there's something to be said for having that experience. Um, I'm not saying that that's going to necessarily mean they're they're going to be the winners, but um, I, I always tend to lean towards guys that have had that experience, and especially guys that are in leadership positions. Um, when you have like a, a guy like Clues, for instance, um, who I, I think is a, a really a top-notch kid and top-notch leader, and, and having those kinds of guys to kind of take charge when you really need them, especially down the stretch, is, you know, who knows if the league's going to be close or not. I mean, it kind of seems like in the, the Big Ten, excuse me, it's like we already know within the last few weeks who's probably going to win it, and so it, it hasn't necessarily been a last weekend thing in many instances but I, I think that that this team with guys like clues at the leadership helm i think that they're still the, the odds on favorite to win well we'll definitely find out in a week when ohio state comes to town to, to kick off the big 10 uh, uh schedule for this year i mean uh, they're coming for a weekend series um and and it it'll you know <laughs> sad thing is first big 10 series it'll be a big series uh Viggs, because ohio state is kind of the other favorite and we could put them behind the ball real quick with a, you know, a sweep or you know, four, five, six points. Yeah, I think it's a real important series for Minnesota. I don't think they want to count their chickens too early on this yeah. one because they had close games with Ohio State every game last year. Um, all four of their regular season games were, I think, one goal games uh, coming down the last minute or so. Um, the the Big Ten tournament game was a close one. And Ohio State's a team that can skate, and if you make mistakes against them, they'll they'll be able to capitalize. I don't think they have the overall scoring depth that Minnesota has, but I think they have a, a hard-working team that's tough to play against. You know, and it's always hard to tell, you know, within the first month or two when it comes to, you know, who's been challenged a little more, whose schedules have been, especially when you're talking about um, – you know, non-conference kinds of things or whatever. And um, when I you look at, you know, Ohio State has the as of right now the 33rd ranked strength of schedule. I mean, so they have haven't played the hardest schedule in the world. Um, so it's it's to me it's a little bit hard to necessarily read too much into anything until we start getting into the meat of the conference season. Well, we had Mark Erickson kind of talking about the strength of schedule and pairwise. He's wondering, you know, Big Ten Conference is decent in the pairwise. Will it regress and by how much? I mean, you know, he's got, you know, pairwise this early in the season, not always a big deal, but Penn State's number two, Ohio State eight, Minnesota 13, Wisconsin 21, Michigan 26, and then old lowly Michigan State of 49. Uh, obviously, it helps for that, you know, for these teams to stay good. Uh, for the entire conference and helps Minnesota, but uh, it's definitely going to regress, isn't it, Hammy? Well, I mean, I think it's always good heading into the conference season where you're going to be playing majority of, you know, in conference when you've already shown as a as a conference, you know, some success outside of that. So um, I, I think they're in good shape in that sense. It's certainly in better shape than what they've been in some prior years. Um, 
I'm not convinced that we're going to be seeing Penn State as a number one seed in uh, NCAA's, you know, three, four months from now. I mean, I think that that's probably a little bit hard to believe. Um, and, and once again, that's also a strength of schedule situation. They have the 29th ranked strength of schedule. So, I mean, I, I think, you know, we have to be careful. I think in the sense that we aren't like saying to ourselves, oh, my God, you know, if we don't do super well in the conference that we're totally screwed with pairwise because the conference is so weak in that sense. Um, it's nice that this year it looks like it's a little bit healthier and maybe, you know, you do have a little bit more room for error during the conference season. Um, if you do tend to lose a couple games that maybe you, you wouldn't normally want to. Any thoughts? I think, I think last Oops. year, you know, the big, the big 10 did such a poor job in their non-conference schedule that it was going to be hard to get two teams out of the conference in based on pairwise this year, you know, they've set themselves up where they're going to be in decent shape, regardless of what happens in conference, you know, cause you know, the conference, you're going to have equal numbers of wins, losses, you know, points going that way and that way. Um, so Ohio state and Penn state haven't played hard schedules, but they did take care of business. So I think that set up the conference in good shape and, you know, I think Minnesota, as long as they can stay in those top two seeds and do well, you know, they're going to be in the tournament. And that's been a problem in the past for Minnesota. You know, they never took care of business. That's why it was always so close, or they were on the edge of making the tournament. And, uh, you know, Penn State and Ohio State are taking care of business right now. And it, you know what? Strict schedule might not be as big of a deal, but uh, it, it matters. Yeah, I think if Minnesota can take care of business against B.C., you know, the number three team in the country right now, probably the best team in, in hockey East. You know, they're going to be pretty comfortable going into the season where they don't have to win the conference title and the conference tournament to get in the NCAA tournament. Definitely, definitely. Uh, one more question uh, we've got from Tim Hapke. Um, he wants to know, how did Spatula end up choosing Minnesota? Was he a teammate with a current player? Uh, Hammy, how did Spatula end up here? Uh, well, let's just say it didn't hurt that he played with guys like Clues. Um, you know, he's aware of uh, that was a lot of it. I know, look, I know for pretty much for a fact that if Justin was going to only be around for the one year, if he wasn't going to come back for this year, I don't think Matula would have been a gopher. I think that he wanted to make sure that he was going to be playing with Clues, um, or you know, I'm not saying on the same line. I'm not saying I was guaranteeing that, but I mean, you know, when you have guys that you really want to play alongside of, um, you, you want to make sure that they're going to be there because he had to sit out the season. So it, yeah. it was important for him to make sure that he had that opportunity. Um, and uh, you know, he he played uh, you know in the USHL. He was a very good player. Um, back in the day and so you know i just think that that experience and having some of those relationships with players um you know was very important so uh, that's probably a big part of it i think that um i I don't remember every single team that was in the in the hunt for him as as he was going to be a transfer but i um I i just know that that was going to be a big part of it was having some of those existing relationships and guys he felt comfortable with and Viggs at uh, media availability today. Uh, Smatula was one of the guys who talked. Uh, what'd you hear from Smatula today? I mean, we'll have that audio later. But uh, any insight? 
Yeah, he got asked a couple times about, you know, the transition from Northeastern to Minnesota, and he's pretty cagey about the whole deal. I, I get it. He didn't want to talk badly about uh, Northeastern at all. Um, but he said, you know, the coaches behind the scenes really helped him in his year off where he, he didn't get to play in any games, and he was surprised how quickly his teammates um, brought him in, you know, into the team collective. And um, I think Kloos has been a big part of that, I think, Without Clues sticking around, you know, this guy's not here, and Minnesota's in a completely different situation this season. Because Matula has definitely been um, a big addition to this team. You know, he's one of those guys who's got an infectious um, activity around the net. You know, he really battles for those second and third chances, and I think for this team to be successful, five-on-five, five, they need more guys playing like that. You know, actually, I misspoke about... Uh playing together so let me make sure that i fix that that was a mistake on my part no i just say how could you do that i know i know but i'm what what can i say no but i just know that they had existing friendships there yeah um so that that was that obviously as with we see in recruiting that always helps matters It it doesn't hurt matters definitely does it definitely does well boys um it's the end of a four-year deal with uh, Northeastern and Boston College. Yeah, after you know, both schools coming here and us going out there a couple uh, one time, uh, we finished up the four-year pact with them and we head out to Northeastern and Boston College this weekend for a Friday Sunday matchup. Um, Vigs Northeastern, uh, you know, last year uh, rough start, but then they were the hottest team in the country. Uh, what were they, 19-1 and one or something ridiculous to, to end the season. Uh, obviously, I don't think they're that good this year, but uh, what do we expect from Northeastern Friday evening? Well, they're, they're certainly a veteran team that's going to be hard to play against. Um, you know, they've got a lot of returning players up front, um, pretty balanced um, overall, and they have a good power play. Uh, you know, a lot of people make a big deal out of the penalties getting called out east. That's something Minnesota definitely has to be wary about because Northeastern's got a good power play, and if this is going to become a special teams battle, you know they're going to have to have great rotations on their penalty kill if they're playing against Northeastern. Well, the, the one thing I, I actually don't mind about that is that, uh, you know what, when it comes to tournament time, those are the kind of referees you're going to get. Those are the kind of calls you're going to get. And when we weren't playing these teams and not having these kind of refing, a lot of times they'd go into the tournament and then just be completely blindsided by penalties. So, so yeah, maybe the they, players maybe will adjust. Well, they do. You know, they'll know. They'll know not to put their stick above parallel into guys' hands and things like that. And they'll know that you know when they pin guys up against the boards, they got to get off them quicker than they're used to out west. Um, so it is a good experience for Minnesota to play out east. It's also a good experience for Minnesota to play against you know these eastern teams on the road trip, and that's something Don Lucia likes to do and. You know, I, I personally like seeing them play BUBC, schools like that. And uh, one thing Lucia did do this year, Viggs, was uh, he made sure that he had a day off in between, unlike last year when he thought, uh, or a couple years ago, when he thought Northeastern had a uh, little unfair advantage by not playing the previous night. Well, it's happened multiple times when the Gophers mm-hmm. have traveled out east. Is You know, it's the tradition for them not to play back-to-back games out east. Yep. So that when schools like Minnesota schedule... You know, they're used to playing Friday, Saturday, because that's what we do out west. But uh, out east, because, you know, you got like 20 schools within 100 miles of each other, you can kind of play whenever. And, uh, you know, 
BC has one small campus where they have everything real close and not a lot of parking. So when their football team, basketball team, women's hockey teams playing, parking's at a premium. So, you know, they got to make space for those teams too. So you get the rare uh, noon start on Sunday. Hammy, do you have any thoughts on this weekend? Uh, let's start off with uh, Northeastern. Uh, yes, I have tons and tons of experience watching both Northeastern and DC this year. No, I don't have anything that I can say from an educated standpoint about either team because yeah. I frankly haven't seen them play. Um, I, I, the only thing that I, we've talked about before is that it's really nice to kind of have some of these series where you get to travel and play some of the programs that, you know, you don't have, don't see year after year after year, you know, for eons of time it's nice Mm -hmm. to be able to uh go and play in different ranks and experience some of that you know from a a player's perspective and it's nice from a fan perspective when we do have the opportunities to see some of these games um you know that's not meant to badmouth some of the other rivalries that we see every year but to me it's a breath of fresh air when you do get to play some of these um programs that you don't necessarily see all the time so that's kind of as much as anything that's what i always look forward to when we have weekends like this i I one thing about go ahead the one thing about bc is you'll see them play a similar style to minnesota you know their defensemen like to get involved in the rush in the offensive zone and they have elite nhl drafted talent um, Ryan Fitzgerald, Colin White, probably two of their best forwards. Colin White you'll probably see in the World Juniors this year. Um, so they have a lot of talent at BC, and I think that's something that's fun to see when Minnesota plays schools like that. You know, it's it's a very similar program. They they have guys who are looking to play at the next level too. They also have uh, zero juniors, I believe, right now. Is it juniors what? or sophomores? I, I, mean- I think they had – they had seven players go to the NHL last year. And, and they, they have a crap that, ton of freshmen, that's for sure. I, I believe they so had I think they had a lot of early departures. Well, they had, uh, yeah, like you said, I heard on the radio show, I think Lucia did say seven departures, you know, whether whether it's graduation or kids leaving early. Um, and the fact that they have no juniors at all kind of says that uh, um, uh, <laughs> they lost quite a bit, but yet they just reload. The one thing we thought, well, I mean, Min- they, we always thought Minnesota could reload, and really, we haven't seen Minnesota reload in a long time. Well, I mean, they are definitely one of those programs that recruit very well, um, especially, you know, overall, just all over the place. They do a very good job recruiting. BC is just one of those schools that um, they're able to pluck kids out of Canada and other locations that, um, you know, the. I mean, if we're honest, we know that the Gophers, because of the way that um, you know, the state is built being such a, a hockey hotbed. I mean, they tend to focus the vast majority of their attention on the local products, and there's good and bad to that. I mean, we're obviously not going to ever, at least at this point, make a living off of trying to recruit in Canada and other places like a BC or some of these other schools do. Um, but then again, we don't really have to in, in many respects. Uh, it, it's nice to supplement um, when it's when the opportunity is there, so um, it's a little bit different recruiting philosophy. They're more of a you know kind of a national and, and Canadian kind of ability to recruit, um, but I think that the Gophers don't have to rely on that quite the same way that a school like BC does. Not that Boston's not a great hockey place to play, but um, 
I just think that the Gophers have a lot more opportunity here for local kids. I, I do think that one of the, the things with the school like BC is they have more of the mercenary kid. You know, they have the kid who plays on a select team, you know, a, a drafted USHL team, you know, something like that all the way through. Whereas Minnesota, you get guys like Cluse who have a strong ties to their hockey community in Lakeville. You get a guy like um, Casey Middlestad will be coming in who wants to win a site title. He's got a lot of that loyalty. I think that's something you see in Minnesota that you don't see in a lot of these other programs, and you hope that loyalty transfers over to your own team. Well, I mean, some of that, too, is the philosophy change that the coaches made several years ago with the types of kids they're recruiting. I mean, they still recruited some of the high-end guys, but um, we know that they kind of went for guys that looked to be more of a four-year type of a player um, because they did get burned with that kind of mercenary situation with those classes with the Oak Posos and the the Kessels and Jim O'Brien bailing after a year. And, you know, they got burned by that pretty good, Eric Johnson. And granted, some of those guys legitimately made the right choice as far as leaving because they played pro, you know, NHL pretty quickly. But um, nonetheless, it's it, it comes down to philosophy in some respects, too. There's Nate Wells stepping up with facts again. BC lost seven underclassmen um, from last year's team. So uh, uh, that would uh, usually kill any squad. Uh, but uh, not BC. They're still a top five team. Uh, <laughs> that's tough to compete with, guys. Yeah, well, we're only in November, too. So <laughs> we got to remember that. Well, I, you know, a couple of years ago, they did go to BC and uh, pretty much handled them pretty well. Uh, what, they put up five on Demko? It, it was an ugly night for the old Thatcher Demko and goal for BC. Hopefully we could repeat that. Um, one thing that's uh, people are starting to get used to is that there's obviously not as much games on TV this year. Um, uh, this weekend, the Northeastern feed is a free video feed. Um, I've got that link up on, the, up on GPL. You know, go for pucklive.com slash media. There'll be a little icon there for the Northeastern feed. Uh, there's also a, a link to the BC feed, which is not free. Um, it's paid. But uh, after this weekend, every single game for the rest of the year is on TV. So please don't complain. We still have it way better than <laughs> any other school. It's not even close. Um, and especially, you know, I, I think – Every game has been available this year already. If you wanted to see a game, you could. You could either pay for a stream or there was a lot of free streams out there for video. Um, so it's it's tough to complain. Uh, but uh, relax. The rest of the year, everything's on TV starting next week uh, on the Big Ten Network uh, against Ohio State. So you just have to get through a couple more games of streaming and then everything will be just fine. So... Yeah, I think the only really annoying one was Saturday. You know, having a home game um, at Mariucci to me that that's you know I sort of understand these game these road games and and ranks that don't typically have that TV broadcast. I, I get some of that. You know, when you're in Alaska, even though they do have we've seen Alaska Anchorage games you know, on the web. Um, but nonetheless, it's like, yeah, I, I understand that some of those games not being on, but it's frustrating when you do have a home game um, that's not televised. I can sort of understand the frustration in those instances. But like you said, it's nice that pretty much from yeah. here on out, 
it's on it's all on TV. So well, one thing about that too is that you know it, it was scheduled for Saturday. Um, FSN had the Wild and Wolves on, so TV wasn't much of an option there. Um, and you know what? Uh, they weren't going to move it to a different time or a different uh, day to Sunday. You know what? The fans complained and bitched all these last few years of any you know games being moved to Sunday or weird games. Um, you know what? Uh, this it was a Friday Saturday series, just like it's always been. They're both at, you know seven or seven thirty or whatever. Um, uh, that's what the fans asked for, and you know what? That's what they got. And because of that, you know what? Sometimes it's not always going to be on TV. But the fans wanted games. On Friday, Saturday, that's what they're used to. It's what they complain about. Oh, Big Ten, now we're playing on Sunday afternoons or whatever. Um, the fans wanted it, and they got it. So that's how things are going to be. You know, even if there's conflict with football like there was again last weekend, even even North Dakota series, the fans want Friday, Saturday. They're going to do as best they can to get to Friday, Saturday. And if TV doesn't work out, TV doesn't work out. Yeah, the only option this last weekend was to put it up against the Vikings on Sunday and People wouldn't have enjoyed that either. So, you know, and it was it, a tough, tough yeah, day. It was, but you know what? Uh, you know, we were kind of concerned about the, the crowd being a little small. It really wasn't that bad Saturday. I thought, I thought the place was fairly full com- compared to what we thought it was going to be. Vegs. Yeah, it'll be interesting to look at the ticket scanned data at the end of the year because you know they haven't played much at home, but when they oh. have, you know, the building's been pretty full. So. Hats off to the student section, especially. Uh, they, they brought it because uh, they the weren't at the go for Northwestern game. Yeah, the students are definitely full. So, <laughs> and, and it did help that you know it was cold outside in the Northwestern game. Uh, it was not very well po- uh, attended. So people could get in a little easier than they could against North Dakota a few weeks ago. So we shall see. You know, if there's going to be conflicts, there's going to be conflicts. But, uh, you know, that's what the fans want. They complain. They don't want Thursday games. They don't want Sunday games. So the Minnesota's trying to do the best they can to keep it as normal as possible on Friday, Saturday nights. And uh, that's just what, one of the things we're going to have to deal with. Just one of the things got to deal with. All right, guys, do you have anything else for this week? Any other topics? I know, Viggs, you were at Media Day today. Anything uh, interesting that happened today? I and mean, we'll add that audio at the end of the podcast. But uh, what can we expect to hear? You'll just get a lot from uh, Don Lucia talking about uh, the season so far, what they need to do five on five, uh, going on their trip to Boston. They've got a a nice Thanksgiving weekend out there. Um, He also says some nice things about uh, Jake Genzel, scored two goals in his debut, uh, playing with Phil Kessel, who when he played for the Gophers, uh, Genzel was 11 and spent a lot of time in the locker room. So those, those two have a long history together. So it's kind of fun to hear about that. And then you'll hear from Smetula about uh, where to get the best clam chowder in uh, Boston. Chowder? Chowder. He says if his parents were to give him 60 bucks, he'd probably have a couple better spots he could hit. But <laughs> the, the oyster bar next to the, the bell in hand is supposed to be the, the place to go. <laughs> well, I, knew, I do know a few people heading out there for the road trip. You know, Now that I think about it, I wish I would have gone because probably would have been a, a fun road trip to do. But... Uh, Changes in life kind of prevented that, so that's just kind of how it goes. Hammy, any final thoughts? Anything going on in recruiting recently? Uh, no, nothing's it's been pretty quiet yeah. recently. Uh, you know, it's. I'm sure that things will kind of heat up a little bit once they kind of have the the, the break and uh, yeah. they'll have the opportunity to be out 
kind of scouting a lot of the high school games once that kind of picks up and you know being able to kind of travel a little bit easier during that stretch so i'm sure there'll be plenty of scouting going on in that time frame I bet uh, mcmanus and phillips will play in the world junior a challenge um we've got the world juniors coming up here pretty soon yep uh lindgren novak sadek maybe middle possibilities for that roster as well that's uh later in december that's always good stuff it's always good stuff. Where is it this year, Viggs? Uh, it's in Toronto. Oh, that's good. So it'll be it'll be good time zone for U.S. fans. Uh, all the games will be on NHL Network this year again. So great chance to see some great hockey. It always is. I mean, you see the Minnesota guys, you know, the Canadian kids. It's a uh, uh, it's it's the next uh, set of superstars. It just it's just the next set of superstars for the NHL. So it's a, it's always a great thing. Uh, and uh, EP's got a great schedule this December too. So. Um, I highly recommend seeing them, and uh, you can see Middleset and Jack Jensen play for them. There you go. Uh, remember, you can always follow Vigo on Twitter at evigo and Hammy at Hammy Hockey. Uh, we'll be back to recap, you know, this trip out to Boston next week, and then we'll preview the beginning of the Big Ten season with Ohio State, and also it's the hundredth episode next week, and we're going to have Frank Mazzago on, so. Can't wait to have that. So tune in. Thanks. How was it for a situation like Smetula where you're going back to a place that you... Well, I don't think it's difficult. I think you're you're probably hungry uh, to go back and get an opportunity to play. I mean, we know when kids come back here and you get a chance to play back in your home state, there's a little bit extra juice and you know, for him. Um, he had two good years there, but made a decision to you know, uh, go someplace else. We're glad he's on our team. He's off to a good start. He was a point-of-game guy in Hockey East, and he's been a point-of-game guy for us. I'd have told 20-something-year-old Dominic Shea that you're going to win 700 games as a college hockey coach. A 20-something-year-old? Or whatever. If I had you then. Uh, well, I would have said I would have probably wouldn't have been doing it when I was 40, let alone when I'm 58. So, um, you know, obviously when you get a chance to do something as long as I have, you know, you start to build up some numbers. But um, it's not something you think about or even, you know, get concerned or worry about. Um, you're just worried about the next game, and that's kind of how I've approached it, you know, ever since I started that, you know, you, <clears throat> you never looked at where am I going to be in five years, where am I going to be in 10 or 20 or certainly 30 years, as this is my 30th year as a head coach, and uh, you just kind of do the best job we were at, and, you know, whatever's going to happen down the line happens. You get a lot of experience. How do you get your guys to have a better start on Friday as opposed to waiting until Saturday? Well, I mean, it's, I just, actually, you know, we talked about that with the captains. Um, you know, Friday was probably the only, I mean, St. Cloud at home, we started out well, both Alaska games. Um, uh, uh, I thought we had good juice against North Dakota. Just, you know, a couple shots went in early, and then we battled back to tie it in the first period. So really the Friday Mankato's game is the only game I'd really look at and say, you know what, we just we didn't have any energy when that game started. And, you know, was it two weeks of practice? Do we need to structure what we did a little bit different? You know, the guys said, you know, at times they felt like they had dead legs last week. Um, and, and uh, in, 
we've all been around the game enough to know that if you don't have your legs, you're not going to have great energy for the game. So, you know, we, we, we had much better legs on, on Saturday than what we had on Friday. And, you know, I'm glad we were able to bounce back like we did because that was an important game for us. Howdy's, we talked about in the radio show about how close the officials are calling the hockey's versus out here. Will that be a concern and a warning to the guys? Yeah, I mean, I think we learned that when we went out to play in Clarkson and St. Lawrence. That there was a few called that maybe wouldn't have seen called in the West. But, you know, at the same time, after you get a couple months in, I think that there's a learning curve for both the officials and the players of how the game's going to be called. And uh, maybe the officials will... Uh, let a little bit more go uh, that doesn't need to be called and maybe the, the players learn a little bit that you know what if I get a stick in a guy's hands it's going to be a penalty if I hold a guy against the boards it's going to be a penalty so when I look at the games that have been played more recently I think the penalty numbers are coming down you blew up the uh, line combinations for last Saturday's game uh, any differences in going into yeah the I mean we've been blowing them up uh, you know we, we haven't been uh, offensive juggernauts as of late five on five uh, you know, we've scored some power play goals. It's allowed us to win some games, but you know, we, we didn't have a five-on-five five last weekend. Um, the weekend before um, against North Dakota, we had what one on Saturday and I think one on Friday. So we scored two five-on-five five goals in the last four games, so that obviously doesn't cut it. So uh, I think that uh, there's more there from an offensive standpoint. I think some guys can, you know, play a little bit harder on the puck. I think we get a little bit too selective in our shots, uh, and, and uh, I, th I think we can play better and, and create more offense than what we have so far. The five-on-five five goals are down. Do you see the scoring chances down when you chart the game as well? Yeah, I mean, it just depends on the game. Um, uh, you know, I, it's game by game. I mean, we, we've had games where we've had 20-some scoring chances and haven't scored. I mean, I, the St. Lawrence game was a good example that we didn't I mean, both those goals were uh, with a pulled goal situation, but we probably had as many scoring chances in that game as we had all year. But, you know, there's a reason why he was an All-American goaltender. So, you know, we've seen some pretty good goalies, um, but, you know, we have to do a better job of whether it's net traffic, getting to rebounds, you know, shooting off the pads, trying to create second shot opportunities. You know, there's areas that we can do a better job too. And, and I think getting on top of pucks in the offensive zone, I think too many times we're, you know, one and dones or, you know, we get impatient, want to throw, make, try to make a play that's not there and all you're doing is, you know, initiating the breakout. Sunday's game against BC, you kind of see that as a showcase game. There's a Mount Rushmore college hockey program. Yeah, they're, 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 on it. they're big games. There's no doubt. You know, we've we've had a, uh, a lot of fun games against them the last number of years. And, um, you know, I'm sure Sunday's going to be no different. But, you know, our, our focus all week in, in our preparation has been Northeastern. Uh, they're a team that was an NCAA team a year ago. They have basically most of their team back from last year. And, you know, it was about the last couple of years, it seems like it's been right around Thanksgiving when they've gotten on their runs here uh, for the second half of the season. So, you know, watch their games against Providence. Their, their power play is really good. Uh, they've got some real top-end uh, players. And, you know, it, last time we were there, I think we got beat 3 nothing, 2 nothing, or 3-2, gave up a goal late. Um, so uh, important games. There's no doubt that you know we're sitting a couple games over 500. Two more road games uh, against good quality opponents that were in NCAA's. So it's a good test for us. Is the Ferguson this year as a result of that trip last yeah. time where uh, yeah. Northeastern was off? The exactly. And, and uh, you know some of those teams you know don't like to play back to back on a home on a weekend. Mm -hmm. uh, BC's one of them. And uh, you know because I talked about maybe bringing another school with us originally on this series. 
and uh, they just they didn't want to do that because they, they're just used to the one home game on a weekend. And you, you know, we saw it this week. They played a midweek game up in Connecticut, and now they come back and play a home game. And had they played, uh, you know, had been if we played BC on Friday, Northeastern had played a, a game on Friday, we would have played a Friday Saturday series. But I just wanted to make sure that we had a day off too in between, um, rather than playing the back to back. And uh, it, it works out fine because. Yeah, and we'll get home at a decent hour on Sunday and we'll miss any school. Is that just geography, why they can do it out east? Well, or is I mean, it just philosophy? Well, I think it's a combination. Like, if you look at BC, I mean, they, they like us, you know, they need parking. So you have men's and women's hockey, basketball, football, all play out of the same site. You have geography where, you know, go 150 miles around Boston, and there's a lot of schools. <laughs> I don't know how many, but... Uh, they have a lot of close road trips. Yeah. So I don't think they have to spend a lot of nights uh, in bed. And you know what? For the fan standpoint, it makes a lot of sense that you know you you play a series against Province, you play one game at home, one on the road, much like we've done with Mankato or, or St. Cloud. And you know, 70 miles out there is a long way. Brent Pedlick was out uh, last week, and you expect him back? Yeah, yeah. He's practiced all week, and uh, so he should be back and ready to go in our lineup. And you know, that's going to help us on uh, on one of our power plays. It's going to help us with our skill and speed up front. So hopefully, that he can inject some offense into our lineup this weekend. Everybody else good to go? Yep. Uh, yeah, we're healthy. I mean, we, everybody is is good to go this weekend. Big Ten schools are either number one or number two in winning percentage in non-conference games. Does that say anything to caliber? Yeah, I don't know. I, I think sometimes that gets a little bit, you know, uh, I don't want to say overblown. I think it's important when we play each other. But uh, like anything, your, your record's going to be based on how you play. Your record's going to be based on who you play, where you play. I think there's a combination, but it's obviously better for all of us. And, and it's been a point of emphasis that uh, you know we have to do better in our in our non-conference record. It doesn't do much good to get have a bunch of teams with poor non-conference records and then you play each other. That doesn't help you. You know now all of a sudden you're playing teams with that are winning 60% or 70% of their games in the conference. Uh, I mean for their non-conference games that drives your own index up. And uh, we've seen that over the years. And that's you know you go back a number of years. That's one of the reasons why the, the WCHA went from 32 to 28 games because it allowed teams to. Do better in our conference versus, by definition, those four games are going to be 500. But you got to win them too. And seeing uh, Mike uh, celebrate uh, Jake's goal. Yeah, it was. Of, uh, what to do with Mario? Yeah, you know what? It was. I'm really happy for Mike. And you know, Jake's been around, and I, I couldn't help but thinking that, uh, you know, back in 2000, and I think it was six when Phil was here, that uh, you know Jake was just 11 year old running around the locker room. And then, lo and behold, you know, Phil's giving him the assist for his first goal. So kind of makes me wonder what he was thinking when Jake comes waltzing in the locker room and he probably remembers just this little guy. But, uh, you know, you watch him work out. Jake's been here in the summertime. Uh, certainly a very, very good player. It was only going to be a matter of time. And, you know, I don't care if we were to play the game or it, it happened to be on a Monday that, you know, when that opportunity came, it was like, Mike, you, you texted me. It's like, hey, you get out of town, you go watch your son play. I mean, it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. and you, you can't miss that. So, you know, to see his reaction, you know, we pimped him a little bit on the um, – in our video session uh, yesterday, so we led our video session with his goal and Mike's reaction. So it was, it's great to see. You know, Mike's a hockey dad, and I think the hard part for him and all of us in in our profession is we, you know, you, you devote so much to other people's kids that you miss out on your own. And I was really happy that Mike and his family could could be there and cherish such a, a great moment. How's the hair before I go? Sexy. <laughs> oh, <laughs> How strange is it going to be going back in there just a place that you're so familiar with? 
I think it'll be cool. I have you know a lot of friends still back there, so I think it, we're all pretty excited to go try some good clam chowder. So we're looking forward to that over the trip. Are you leading the way there? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I know a couple of good spots, so hopefully we get some time to go out there and enjoy the city a little bit. Don said a player will always be hungry in that situation, not so much for chowder, but once you hit the ice, is that a kind of a fitting description for how you'll approach the game? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's 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 going to be big for us, I think, especially closing out our non-conference series and. Uh, just being back there, you know, I always like their egg, so we're, we're going to try to go and uh, get two big wins for us. What do you remember uh, about the game playing Minnesota a couple of years ago? I remember Mikey Riley hit me from behind. <laughs> I might have sold it a little bit. But, uh, no, obviously, you know, when Minnesota comes to town, regardless of, um, you know, what team it is, it's obviously the team's going to have extra jumps, so we know we got to be ready. Um, for a tough one Friday and then regroup Saturday and, and another tough one Sunday. So a big trip for us for sure. What do you attribute to the success you've been able to have this year? It's tough to jump right in and be a technically a first-year player and, and do what you've done. Uh, yeah, I would just say the coaching staff. Um, yeah, they, they worked a lot. Of, a lot went behind the scenes last year, just working with me um, and my teammates. You know, we've uh, I've gotten a good good chance to live with some of the guys and, and to really gel with them, especially the older guys. And our team's just really close together and. Um, yeah, I thought it was going to be harder, but you know, more importantly, we're we're starting to string some wins together. I just try to contribute every night to the team. Reflect back on your decision to, to choose Minnesota, and you know, how has it worked out for you? And um, and and shed any light on why you picked Minnesota, and if you had any other choices? Oh, well, I think you know, if, if you would have told me to play for Minnesota, I'd be shocked. I was it's just dream come true to play for a school like this. Um, it's been nothing but great the last two years here. And, uh, you know, it's something special to wear that jersey even, you know, I know not being from Minnesota, but still just growing up knowing what a great program and history it has. It's, uh, it's been a dream come true, so I'm just trying to do the best I can and enjoy the moment. What do you think the biggest differences are playing here versus playing at Northeastern? Uh, well, I don't think there's too much, like, on the ice. It's just being part of something with such great tradition, um, which every school has. But, uh, um, you know, just being from Michigan, always seeing Minnesota-Michigan rivalry, uh, two big schools going at it. It's been really cool, and uh, it's been a great adjustment so far. Is any of your game different from when you played in Northeastern versus here now? Uh, yeah, no, I don't think so. I think you just you try to do what makes made you successful your your whole career, what's gotten you to the point you're at. Um, so I'm just I'm excited how things have been going. Um, just really looking forward to making a run with this team. Someone who grew up watching hockey, I'm sure you look at Minnesota and Boston College. You see that as kind of a showcase game where if there's a Mount Rushmore college hockey program, Minnesota and Boston College are on it. I think it'll definitely be one that people are going to watch. People are going to be watching to see, you know, it's, it's a good test for us. Boston College is really good this year. Um, so we're going to be ready. We've had a good week of practice, and uh, we ended good on a Saturday. I know we still need to uh, get our five-on-five -five game going, but that's part of going through the ups and downs of a season. And, I think so far we've, we've found ways to win, no matter what that's been, and that means that guys are buying in and doing whatever it takes. So we're just going to stick with it. And uh, Like I said, but first, you know, we got a big one Friday, so we're focusing on. You've been pretty productive getting those second and third chances in the offensive zone, five on five. What are the big keys to success in those situations? I think it's pretty simple. I know Coach has touched upon it uh, continuously to us. It's just it's, it's working hard. It's getting pucks low, and I think it's just being confident in your game, you know. We've got a lot of guys with a lot of talent on our team. Um, and, you know, it kind of can get tough when you go through games where you don't score goals 5-5, five five, but it's just about being positive, and you know, we've been that in the locker room. We know sooner or later it's going to come, so it's just about coming out, practice days, working hard, just sticking with it and staying positive. 
you know, a lot of us around here are pretty familiar with Big Ten conference play and WCHA, but what's it like playing in Hockey East where you were for two years? That's a very competitive, uh, competitive league for sure. Um, a lot of great teams come out of there. Uh, in the NCAA tournament, I know they have a lot of good teams this year. Um, but I don't think it'll be anything that guys here haven't seen. You know, we're going out there uh, trying to showcase our league a little bit and uh, obviously our program. So, like I said, just a business trip, and uh, we know what to expect out there for sure, so we're going to be ready to go.